Good morning, brothers and sisters. Good morning to everybody. We have just heard the famous song about Christ, about his humiliation, and about his glorification, which came later in the second half of the song. Let me read the beginning words again. Paul says in Philippians, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. It is a song about Christ. It is a song um, glorifying Christ. At the same time, it is introduced by the words which sound very practical, which actually are um, encouraging uh, us as Christ's disciples to have the same mindset, to have the same attitude, to be like Christ. I would like to think today with you and, and talk about the sort of attitude, the sort of mindset that is being encouraged here, um, that is being recommended by Apostle Paul to those who read the letter, uh, to those who were the original addressees, and to us as well, as far as we ourselves are Christ's disciples. What sort of attitude, what sort of mindset? We hear in that song about Christ who being in very nature God did not consider his equality with God something to be grasped, something to, to be used to his own advantage. Christ left behind his privileged position. He left behind his privileged status. He left behind the glory of heaven. He gave up whatever he could rightly claim, and he reached out, came down, left behind the glory of heaven. That is the attitude, that is the mindset uh, of Christ, we are encouraged to follow or to imitate. He didn't enjoy or consume the privileged position, the glory of heaven. He didn't use it for something to his own advantage, but left it behind for the sake of those in need, for the sake of those human beings uh, that needed um, somebody to come from heaven to earth. So in that decision, in that step, in that uh, attitude or mindset, he revealed God as a self-giving love. He revealed God as 
a loving father who doesn't just enjoy the glory of heaven, who doesn't just stay in heaven in that privileged, glorious status, but reaches out and comes down. We will celebrate Christmas soon, and we are already in the period of thinking about that glorious coming of God's Son, Jesus Christ, who became a human being. And in that descending to uh, his creation, God revealed himself to all human beings as a self-giving love. So, in the second chapter of Philippians, we are exposed to this revelation of God's very heart, of God's attitude, of God's mindset, as it is being manifested, revealed uh, in Christ and in Christ's story. Jesus himself, when he's speaking with his disciples, in another occasion, um, it is in Luke's Gospel, um, in chapter 15, he's describing that sort of attitude, he's describing um, that sort of um, approach or mindset in the famous story of, or parable of prodigal son. Jesus actually presents the same image of God who is not enjoying um, his privileged status, his heavenly glory, as this father who was waiting for his lost prodigal son to come down. And we all know those words in, 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 in the climax of that story when this um, son who has made a number of mistakes, his kind of slowly, hesitantly coming home, and then the story says, while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And then the son started to sort of uh, present his apologies and uh, he started with his prepared speech, but the father stopped him. The father said to his servants, quick, bring the best rope and put it on him. The father not only ran to meet his son, but he actually stopped these prepared apologies and said, quick, bring the best rope. Um, he was not waiting at the threshold with an angry face or with a long sermon about bad decisions and their consequences. That, that was not the attitude of the father. Sometimes we think about this story as something sentimental. Father embracing his uh, prodigal son as a sentimental gesture. Probably was not sentimental at all, actually. He, the son was feeding pigs, probably he was actually smelling and maybe that's the reason why the first idea that came to the father's mind is to bring some clean robe. It, it probably was a dirty uh, and smelling um, encounter, in fact. So 
Yeah, it, it, it's not a sentimental gesture at all. I, I think there is a profound message in that story. In fact, as one commentator says, this is probably the only passage in the scripture where, where God is presented as running. Because Jesus is telling the story using this parable to explain to his disciples what is in God's heart, how God feels about uh, us human beings being lost sons who made a series of bad decisions, and God being pictured as the father in that story is, is pictured here as running, running, maybe an old man, old men do not run uh, normally, but there is a paradox and a, and a force or power in this image of, of an older, older father running to meet his son, not waiting at the threshold. And again, I think we hear about the same sort of attitude that is described in the song about Christ in Philippians chapter 2. Christ being by very nature God, not taking his equality with God as something to be grasped, to be used to his own advantage, but made himself nothing. Made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant. Humbled himself. And it is very clear that this glorious song about Christ's humiliation and then glorification is used to tell us something about the mystery of God's love to all humankind. It is something that is teaching us about who God is. We know from the letter of Hebrews that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. So when we look at Christ, when we look at his attitude, mindset, his descending to the depth of human misery and need, we learn something about God's being, about God's heart. But not only that, the way Paul is using this song about Christ is actually very practical. He starts with an encouragement, not consider and, and, and meditate about the mystery of God's love, but have the same attitude, have the same mindset, become like that. So it's not just about the revelation of of the awesome, profound um, mystery of God's grace and love, reaching out, coming down, leaving behind the glory of heaven, accepting the conditions of human uh, existence and everything. It is actually an encouragement it is uh, a recommendation concerning our own attitudes, our own mindset, our own behavior.
Jesus is actually explicitly speaking about himself about as an example to follow. Uh, in John's Gospel, there is one famous story which all of us probably know. And towards the end of the story, there is this sentence, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done. Jesus says, well, whatever you have seen me doing, whatever you have seen me um, doing right now uh, is an example for you to follow. It is an invitation to do the same. And the story, which is culminated uh, and concluded by that sentence is this. Jesus knew that the Father has put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet. Isn't that surprising? When we read, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. We would expect something powerful to happen, a very powerful gesture, a manifestation of Christ's glory, something like the um, you know, transformation on the, on the mountain or something very glorious. But as if to emphasize the contrast or as if to emphasize this dramatic paradox between Jesus' glorious status, between his privileged position and the lifestyle, the, the, the gesture that is expressing his attitude, his mindset, it starts with Jesus being given all the power from God. And then it says, knowing that he was given all the power from God, then it says, so he got up and started to wash his disciples' feet. Why is that together? Why, why the word so? Why what we read after uh, you know the sentence about Jesus realizing that all the power has been entrusted to him, we read about something very humiliating. Actually, again, like with the parable about the lost son, about the prodigal son, um, we tend to read the story about Jesus washing disciples' feet as something sentimental, as something like Jesus doing a sentimental gesture. But the disciples didn't know it was going to happen. They didn't wash their feet before. Their feet were, were not really ready for somebody else touching them and washing them. And having his face close to those feet. So it was not a sentimental gesture. It was quite dramatic. In fact, Peter was felt really bad, embarrassed, and didn't want to let Jesus do it. 
probably he didn't wash his feet before and it was embarrassing. It would be embarrassing for me. But he does this. They are sort of shocked and, and feel awkward and don't know what to think about what just happened. And then he says, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done. He says, you call me teacher. Um, okay, so if I'm a teacher, then uh, you as my pupils, my students are supposed to try to imitate whatever I'm doing. So this is an example that I wanted to show you. Again, it is Christ, just like in the song in Philippians chapter 2, who didn't consider or use his privileged position, the fact that the Father has entrusted all power into his hands as something to be grasped, to be claimed, to insist on, to be used for his own advantage. But he's actually leaving it behind, giving it up, descending to dirty, smelly feet of his disciples. So, what is the the attitude of Christ, what is the mindset of Christ, Paul has in mind when he introduces the song about Christ's humiliation and his glorification by that very practical instruction. Have the attitude of Christ. Have the mind or mindset of Christ. What, 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 what particularly does he mean? Well, Probably it's very obvious that what part of what he means is that we should not be proud, that we should be humble. We know that. He obviously think, means that we should not, you know, emphasize our own achievements and we should not insist on other people acknowledging our achievements and so on. And we should be humble and have a servant attitude uh, in treating each other nicely and patiently and, 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 and in a humble way and so on. And obviously that's, that's, that's an important part of the message that is being communicated. But I think we as Christians, we as members of Christ's body, in one sense have a privileged position or we inhabit a realm of glory or a um, heavenly space that makes us feel safe and that nourishes our needs so much so that we are not willing to leave it. What I mean is all the good things coming from being part of a Christian congregation, Christian community, Christian subculture, Christian environment. I think there is a sense in which the heaven we are encouraged to be ready to leave behind is the safe space and the comfort zone of Christian subculture. I think there is a sense 
in which having the attitude of Christ or having the mindset of Christ implies that we are supposed to be willing to leave behind all the privileges and good things associated with being part of God's kingdom, Christ's body, the community of God's people. Because there is a tendency for all the good and blessed things and gifts associated with our belonging to Christian community, there is a tendency for us Christians to just read Christian books and listen to Christian music and hang around with Christian friends and eating Christian food and being so surrounded with all the good things that are part of Christian culture or subculture that we do not really interact at all with those people in need or we only interact with them in a context of Christian ministry, which again makes it possible for us not really to leave that comfort zone, but to somehow extend it for a while, to interact for a while in the framework of a ministry outreach activity with um, secular people, but it's not a genuine, authentic encounter often. I think there is a sense in which having the attitude of Christ, having the mindset of Christ, has much to do with the non-Christian, secular, mainstream culture and society of people unreached by the gospel who are outside of our realm of glory, who are outside of our heavenly realm. Of course, church is not always heavenly. It doesn't always taste uh, great. It's not always angelic. Uh, very often it's not, actually. But um, it's, it's safe. It's safe to interact with like-minded folks. It's safe to talk our common language, our dialect, and not really to um, to let the concerns and questions and fears of those who are outside uh, somehow challenge our certainty, certainties and challenge our um, safety in our comfort zone. I think part of what we are trying to do at the theological factory, uh, <laughs> I, I love it, that, that, that's something I'm really taking from this morning. I mean, I mean, I always sort of thought I'm actually working in a theological factory, but today I eventually heard the phrase um, <clears throat> what we are trying to do at the theological faculty, what we are trying to do in the Comenius Institute, in the Center for Dialogue Between Faith and Culture, some of you may have heard that I'm involved with that ministry, what we are trying to do is we are trying to leave the comfort zone and to really engage, interact in a meaningful, authentic, existentially challenging way with people outside of the Christian community outside of the Christian subculture. What we are trying to do is to follow faithfully Paul's instruction to have an attitude of Christ who being in the divine zone of reality left it. And I'm sure he felt homesick. 
when I was thinking about people here at ICP, you have my admiration because all of you, I think, in some sense, left your comfort zone by coming from United States and Great Britain and other countries to this secular, strange culture and society, leaving your American or British or other good Christian friends and environments, coming to interact with arrogant Czechs, rude people, unbearable, you know, culture. Um, I can say that, I'm Czech. <laughs> don't, don't be offended, I'm talking about myself, so. <clears throat> so I'm, I'm really touched, it blows my mind. I mean, I, it's, 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 it's so much part of what I understand Paul is actually saying in Philippians 2, having the attitude of Christ. And I'm sure you feel homesick sometimes. I mean, imagine how Jesus must have felt homesick when he came uh, to earth, became uh, one of us, and still had this memory of his heavenly home, of this closeness to God the Father, which he left behind and gave it up for the sake of, you know, alienated, disobedient, sometimes disgusting people like us. And I think there is something very profound in this movement from heaven to earth motivated by God's love. Because it's not just an expression of who God is. It is also an invitation for all of us to enter that movement, enter that stream, enter that river of God's love from heaven to earth. Because the story goes on. We are invited as members of the body of Christ, as the branches of the vine tree, which Christ himself is, to take it on, to be part of that story, to make it move on. As Paul, in another of his letters, so profoundly says about his missiological strategy or about his incarnational approach to the unreached, if you like strange words. In 1 Corinthians 9, he says, I have made myself a slave to everyone. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like, un like one under the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. He left any sort of privileged position he might claim. He even gave up the justified claim to, um, uh, to be supported by those uh, he ministered to. And he just didn't use anything that was rightly his to his own advantage, but gave it up. Being sent to the Jews, he became like one of them 
being sent to the Greece, Greeks, he became like one of them. And it is so well expressed that the disciple of Christ, namely Apostle Paul, being called to imitate who Christ is as who Christ is, is an imitation and expression and reflection who God is. And Paul is basically just taking it on one step further. So he did not consider his belonging to the Christian community as something to be grasped and something to be used to his own advantage, but made himself nothing, humbled himself, became a servant to everyone just like his master. So that Apostle Paul became another manifestation of God as self-giving love. Being a follower of Christ, he was reflecting what Christ was the reflection of, namely God as self-giving love. And Trying to think about Czech secular culture, godless, arrogant, rude, strange, unbearable, idiosyncratic, definitely for me, I don't know how about you. So many countries in this world would be a much better home. I don't feel homesick because I'm a Czech living in Czech, so this is my home, earthly home, but I, I I find it hard to comprehend and understand and imagine how somebody would leave his own safe, good, rich country and his or her own comfort zone coming to this tiny little secular um, part of Europe. I appreciate that. I thank you and I'm humbled by that. But you are just following exactly what Paul is encouraging Philippian Christians to do, having the mindset of Christ, having the attitude of Christ. Because if we are faithful, if we leave behind the privileged positions of any sort for the sake of those who are in need, if we reach out and come down, if necessary, from whatever privileged position we might just justly claim then the story goes on then the movement of God's love from heaven to earth goes on and God will be glorified and then if we are faithful in that we can read the second half of the song as a promise the second half of the song which I will read surprisingly is introduced by the word therefore. So we were reading about Christ coming down from heaven to earth, humbling himself, making himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, servant being obedient to the death, the death of the cross. So it is the bottom point of the humiliation coming down from heaven to uh, to earth and actually even to this unjust execution on the cross. And then the word that follows is the word therefore. 
So whatever was said about Christ's humiliation is the reason why in the second half God is glorified in a great way because of that. Paul says, after describing Christ's humiliation, he says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God the Father is glorified because of Christ's obedience and faithfulness to his calling, which has led him through that deepest humiliation. And this is why and how God the Father is glorified. And if we are faithful and obedient and take part in Christ's humiliation and take on the cross that we are called to carry, then we can take, accept, receive, I believe, the second half of the song as a promise as a promise that God will glorify his name through our ministry, in our ministry. Not because we are great, but because he is great. And because that is exactly what he wants to do, even in such a country, even in such a society as the Czech Republic. Amen. May I pray? Let's stand up and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending Christ to come to this earth to minister to the needy and to die on the cross for our sins. Thank you for his faithfulness and thank you for the salvation which is in him. Thank you for his glorification, which is our hope and our expectation that because of Christ's atoning work, because of his obedience, your name will be glorified. Thank you that you want to... Um, Glorify your name through your people, which is also those of us gathered in this place this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the faithfulness of all those who came from other countries, from other contexts, from other environments and backgrounds, and came to this part of the world to help and encourage the tiny Christian um, community here. And thank you that you are um, uh, working through us and through them and that through your Holy Spirit you are accomplishing your work and your kingdom is growing and we see some of the fruits and we are encouraged for seeing that you are using um, whoever is making himself, herself available to glorify your name because that is your will. You want to reach 
the unreached people in this country. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that that is your desire, that is on your heart. Thank you for the privilege of being called to participate in that glorious task. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit who is working the, 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 the glorious work of transformation in our hearts and in our midst. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. We name, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.